0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 213. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, today joined by Jacob Paulson. Hi, Riley. It's been far too long since we had you on the show, brother.
1: Yeah, I don't really keep track, but I believe you.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you join. I think it's been a while for you for the for the news episode.
1: That could be. Podcast. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like it. It seems sure.
0: like I've done the last couple of them with uh, Matthew. So <clears throat> anyway, guys uh, and gals, welcome to today's episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. Today is our usual uh, early part of the week news episode. We've got tons of crazy stories to cover today. Uh, the headline of today's show is something along the lines of "the war over words" or "the war on words," as the dictionary is literally being changed, as far as the definition of assault rifle. You got that right. Merriam-Webster's changed the definition in their dictionary of what an assault rifle is. Crazy stuff. Plus, uh, a bunch of other great stories, and especially our our all you know our, our very favorite listener favorite. Uh, justified save stories and analysis as we cover civ- usually civilian instances of use of justified deadly force as they defend their lives, homes, and families. And in just a minute here, we'll play back uh, this week's Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week for Branca. Today's episode, though, is brought to you by Guardian Nation. I'm representing today with my Guardian Nation T-shirt. That it, that comes in every member's welcome kit, by the way. You, you do need to make sure there's a, a set of instructions to follow, so you can contact us or what they, they fill out a form or something they to give us their T-shirt yeah, size.
1: Yeah, they have to claim. I would say claim or request you their welcome kit. It, yeah, because because we don't automatically sh- ship them because we don't know what size T-shirt you wear. So as soon as you join Guardian Nation, within about 24 hours, you get an email and you just click a link. And you go through that and you put in your shirt size and off it comes. You don't even have to pay shipping.
0: Yep. Yep. So if you haven't gotten your welcome kit, well, you might want to look for that email and, uh, send us your t-shirt size. We'll send you one of these really cool, awesome designed guardian nation member t-shirts. It's only the members that have these shirts. We don't even sell them. It's not even an option. So, uh, yeah, you want to check that out. And if you, if you can't find that email and you can't, and you haven't been able to claim your welcome kit, uh, let us know. You, in fact, you can send us an email to podcast at concealedcarry.com. We'll take care of you. All righty. Uh, today's other sponsor of the episode is Live Fire Drill Cards. And uh, you want to check those out. Cool stuff from Burnett. Steve, our friend Steve Burnett puts together this great little book. And uh, these cards that go inside that book, you can, get, you can buy the book with a whole bunch of cards, or you can buy them a little at a time. Check it out, though. Burnett's Live Fire Drill Cards and Logbook is now available, too. Okay, so <clears throat> I think it's time for the case of the week. So here we go.
2: Thanks, Concealed Carry Podcast, for having me back on for another Law Self-Defense case of the week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawOfSelfDefense.com. This case of the week is provided for educational purposes only. If you are in need of legal advice, you must consult with an attorney in the relevant jurisdiction. This case of the week is Orton v. Commonwealth out of the Kentucky Court of Appeals in a decision handed down March 16, 2018. It involves a homeowner and local businessman who found himself engaged by four armed home invaders. He ends up taking in purported self-defense Actions that kill two of the home invaders and seriously injure the other two. And yet, in the end, it was the homeowner who found himself convicted, sentenced to 15 years in prison, and had his conviction affirmed by the Kentucky Court of Appeals just days ago. So how did that happen? As always, it comes down to poor decision-making by the defendant. Incidentally, I've often said that just about the most legally sound use of force scenario you can find yourself in is when you're dealing with genuine intruders in your home. Indeed, I've gone so far as to say that it's pretty hard to mess that scenario up and end up facing legal liability. But pretty hard doesn't mean impossible, and people insist on finding ways to get themselves jammed up even in that most favorable of self-defense scenarios. Now, as with most any trial, much of the evidence in this case is disputed by the parties and witnesses. But to keep things simple enough for our brief case of the week, we'll just go ahead and assume that the version of events recounted by the defendant, Orton, was 100% true. Those presumed truthful facts are that the defendant who owned a local laundromat and car wash was at home. It was after midnight when he heard a knock on his front door. When he asked who was there, he was met with silence. Then he perceived some furtive movement through the glass beside the door. He made another verbal challenge and that's when his door started being kicked in. He quickly found himself facing four masked home invaders armed with guns and knives and demanding money. One pointed a handgun at the defendant's eye and threatened to kill both him and his children, who at the moment were away at his mother's house, if he did not comply with their demands. The home invaders continued their threats for some time, then grabbed some of the defendant's property, threw it in the back of their pickup truck, and raced away. And this, of course, is where things go sideways for the defendant. Did he call the police to report these events? Wait for them to arrive? Provide a written statement? Sign a complaint? No, of course he didn't do any of that. If he had done that, we wouldn't be talking about him. Instead, what he did do was jump into his own truck and race down the only major road he'd seen the home invaders flee down. When he caught up with their vehicle, he was doing an excess of a hundred miles an hour and he rammed the rear of the invaders Tacoma pickup truck. To quote the appellate decision, quote, Upon impact, the Tacoma left the roadway, overturned down an embankment, and came to rest after striking a tree. While the vehicle was flipping, three passengers were ejected from the vehicle. One was ejected out of the vehicle against a tree and died at the scene. Another was ejected out of the vehicle and landed in the tree line. She eventually died from the injuries she sustained. A third was ejected out of the vehicle and landed in the roadway. He survived. The driver was trapped in the vehicle but successfully extricated and survived. Close quote. Incidentally, do you care to guess which of those four people in the car was the only one wearing a seatbelt? So we have two dead people, two severely injured, and the defendant is initially charged with capital murder, first degree assault, and speeding. At trial, he argues several variations of the legal defense of justification, including self-defense, defense of others, meaning his children the home invaders had threatened, even though they weren't present, and the defense of necessity or the defense of choice of lesser evils, a topic we've discussed in prior shows. The problem for these justification defenses, of course, is that every one of them requires the element of imminence. That is, that the use of purportedly justified force was necessary to prevent some harm to innocents that was about to happen right now. Certainly, the home invaders represented an imminent threat while they were engaged in home invasion, and had the defendant used force against them at that time, it might well have been legally justified. Once the home invaders had fled, however they no longer represented an imminent threat to anyone. And if there is no imminence, there is no legal justification for any use of force. At trial, the jury ultimately found the defendant guilty of two counts of reckless homicide, two counts of fourth-degree reckless assault, and speeding. The defendant was sentenced to 15 years for the recklessness charges and fined $100 for speeding. The defendant would appeal his conviction on numerous grounds, but the Kentucky Court of Appeals in this decision would reject every claim of error at trial and affirm his convictions, sentences, and his speeding fine. Moral of the story, if you go to the fight rather than the fight coming to you, It rarely, if ever, is going to look anything like justifiable use of force. If you enjoy this content, I invite you to join us for the Law of Self-Defense live show every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free to either participate live or to watch the recording after each show. For more information, point your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash show. Don't forget, as a listener to this podcast, you can save 10% on just about everything we do at LawOfSelfDefense.com, including our books, DVDs, online classes, live classes, and more. Just point your browser to LawOfSelfDefense.com forward slash concealed carry or use the discount code CCP at checkout. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawOfSelfDefense.com.
0: Well, there you have it. Another case of the week. This time, Orton versus Commonwealth. Kind of a crazy story, Jacob. Uh, Crazy in that uh, that homeowner obviously took the law into his own hands and uh, he had to pay the consequences of his actions there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a tale that we've told many times on the podcast, right? Like, hey... (laughs) yep when when the threat comes to you, defense is good, but vigilante justice you know chasing down people and trying to submit them to custody that's that's not cool yeah, you know
0: what what's also not cool about any of this is, and I obviously can't speak for the mind uh or feelings of this you know orton fellow, but uh a couple of people died because of his actions. Uh, a couple of people that were not a threat to him, uh, people that he was just trying to stop. I guess he was just trying to chase them down. Uh, so, I mean, like I understand the sentiment of wanting to stop them to get your stuff back or whatever it is. Like I, 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 I understand that feeling, right? But you got to keep feelings in check. You got to be the responsible adult here, and uh, particularly where it comes to carrying a gun, I you know we all have that responsibility of we need to keep emotions and feelings and all that in check. We need to act like professionals. We're going to talk about a couple of things today where people don't do that and uh, to to some degree. And yeah, so anyway, you got to live with that for the rest of your life, knowing that your actions caused the death of somebody. And it's it's a lot easier, I think, to come to a an understanding, uh, you know, within yourself as to what happened and why you did what you did, and whether you you feel like that you did the right thing or not. It's a lot easier to, to arrive, I think, at that conclusion when, well, he was trying to kill me, and so I drew my gun and I fired. But what were those people doing to him at that point? I mean, I don't know. In his brain, like I said, maybe it makes sense in some way even now, but it certainly doesn't make sense listening to uh, to the just to the story as Andrew described it. All right. First official news story today, we go to thetimes.co.uk. So this is a, a UK website. <clears throat> and I've seen this a couple different places this week on social media and whatnot. Uh, London murder rate beats New York as stabbings surge. Yeah. Yeah, this so- is... A- Go, go ahead take it away
1: well i i was going to say that uh, the the noteworthy thing here is not that the the the, rate, the murder rate in new york has changed much the noteworthy thing is that the london murder rate has increased so much that it's beating new york and uh i you know I, I don't really find that interesting that it's beating new york i just find it interesting that london independently on its own its murder rate is is skyrocketing it's going up 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 and relevant to our conversation, obviously, to, to firearms, this is a place where there are no guns and knives are really at the center of this. And we featured a kind of a mini documentary thing, I don't know, a couple months ago, right, Riley, where we yep. talked about uh, how knives are the new weapon of choice in London, how people are running around stabbing each other. Yep.
0: So we also covered a story, too, uh, talking about even violence with handguns being on the increase on the rise, uh, which... You know, this is a supposedly a country that we're supposed to model ourselves after in terms of responsible, common sense gun control. A country that completely basically bans guns for all practical uses. And uh, yet they have increased violent crime going on right now. The stabbings, yes, we covered that for sure. You know, so here's the thing, Jacob. My take on this was let's be honest, though, about some of the numbers here. New York. Well, first of all, it does make a, a point in the story that New York and London are actually almost – they're very similar in size in terms of population, right? So this is – as good as you can have two examples uh, in terms of just raw population size, London and New York are are very much equal in this regard. I think one was like 8.4 and one was 8.2 or 5 or I, – I don't remember exactly. Uh, and so they're very similar sized cities. <clears throat> new York by the way though this is what i mean by let's be honest actually has a very low murder rate for its size as a city it is one of the most safe cities statistically speaking i know some people will find this hard to believe but it's far safer than chicago st louis new orleans even los angeles although los angeles is not as bad as people probably i mean it's it's definitely a lot worse than new york but uh, there are some major cities that are way worse, in, as far as murders go, than New York. All right, so it's not like London is turning into Chicago anytime soon. Is kind of the point I'm getting at.
1: Right, right, yeah, yeah. Keeping it in perspective, right? And I know that doesn't always just support our awesome kind of rhetoric that we would love to talk about how all you know high gun control cities have horrible crime rates. New York is, is not Chicago. I mean, they, they do have pretty serious gun control, but they are a relatively safe city. That has to do with remarkable policing, among other things. But uh, yeah, good. But they I'm sp- glad you brought that up. They spend a lot
0: on policing, more than tons, most tons. cities do, by far.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, just it's a massive police force. And, and,
0: and you know that's going to have a difference on, on mm-hmm. crime rates in a city when you can have way more police officers per capita. Then I, I think New York has the highest per capita, you know, number of police officers than any other uh, major city in the U.S. Easily.
1: Yeah, uh, that's probably true. I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to Google it or something. But wouldn't, certainly wouldn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: So yeah, you know, here's a couple things that jumped out at me. Um, just the caption to the to the lead image on this story says eight. Londoners were murdered between March 14th and March 20th alone that's one week actually six days well I, mean, I guess if you counted the the whole day uh from March 14th to the 20th that's one full week eight people in London murdered mm. and yes the weapon of choice in a lot of these crimes as we've covered before is the knife so although firearms even though we'd love they'd love to say that firearms are not a problem there and they generally aren't you know by and large but it's not like they're completely unattainable but the average common street criminal and gang member they're they're rolling around you know with uh knives in hand and they're stabbing people mm-hmm. so you know i i've seen some some talk obviously from different people i'm sure you've seen the same uh, this is a common thread that we hear from Typically, the pro-gun side of things that it's not a gun problem; it's a cultural problem. And so, I, I'd be curious to look at and understand and see like what's what's going on in London. That is, because this is a fairly recent and sudden spike. Uh, it's been in the last year or two that things have. I mean, there, I think things were kind of on the rise a little bit, but it's almost like something hit some sort of critical mass, and in the last year or two, it's really taken off quickly. And I, 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 can't, I don't know, I don't understand the politics or culture or society of London or the UK at all, but I don't know if you have any insights in particular, Jacob. But I just wonder if there's any sort of commonalities or correlations between violent crime here in the US, specifically referring to uh, these mass shootings and whatnot, and, and, and just wondering you know, what's, what's going on culturally, maybe across the world, that's causing people to, to want to kill others. I mean it's not like it's an, it's an age old problem but it seems like things may may be on the rise to some degree at least in some parts of the world.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't I need to comment. I mean we've talked about before you know degraded morals and broken families and uh, I mean that stuff's the, at the core of it like it always is. Sure. Sure.
0: Next story from the Daily Wire. <clears throat> um this one's titled DNC vice chair suggests it's time Democrats push to repeal the second amendment. Should not come as much of a surprise. Last week, we talked about and reported on the op-ed that uh, John Paul Stevens, uh, retired Supreme Court justice, um, he he wrote this op-ed, right? And he said, "Look, it's time to repeal the Second Amendment. Uh, that's that's the way we've got to go to to do what we want to do as it relates to gun control, because and." and I think I made the point that I find it interesting because I feel like he's actually kind of admitting in a way that the Second Amendment actually does protect, (laughs) you know, gun rights uh, and individual right to bear arms because he's basically saying, look, we've got to repeal it to be able to, uh, you know, obtain the gun control that we desire.
1: Right. So the, that's exactly what he's saying, right? And and we've had several, you know, to your point, this is he's not this is not the first person to make this recommendation. Uh, what you have is a lot of people saying, "Hey, we've been butting our heads against this problem for how many years?" Okay, well, then the only way we can really make any progress is to just get rid of the Second Amendment because it is protecting these rights we're trying to get rid of, right? Uh, or yep. at very least, you know, at very least, they must be thinking it it is, you know. Close enough to protecting these rights that we can't win the fight without just getting rid of it altogether. Yeah, that I mean, at very least they have to they have to be thinking that.
0: Yeah, you know, an interesting thing here, Jacob, is that <clears throat> there have been there have always been people that have wanted to repeal the Second Amendment, but what I see is that the, I think they're becoming a lot more bold about making that known. Because at one time, like you would just be sort of ridiculed and and just sort of ignored, you know, like oh, that's just a crazy person, like repeal the Second Amendment, like come on. And even now, you still see a lot of, well, primarily de- Democrats, that will say we don't want to take away the Second Amendment, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to change our Constitution. We just want common sense gun laws <laughs> is the language that's used. We don't want to do anything with the Second Amendment. We just want to have some common sense here, people, right? And but at the same time. I I wonder how many of those actually truly believe that, and number two, it, I wonder are it, it, or, or or are things sort of sliding further and further to the left on this particular issue, uh, because that's what I suspect. I'm reminded by the way, uh, in, in, people that are following the news, you know, you may be familiar that uh, the TV show Roseanne is back on the air. I know that Jacob, you're probably wondering, <laughs> this has nothing to do with guns, but but it, it's come back on the air. And I remember way back in the day, Roseanne Barr seemed to be kind of, you know, more in the norm as far as culture and politics and so forth. She was on, I think, a Jimmy Kimmel show or something, and she flat out told him to her to to his face, because he was like, How can you still be in support of like how can you be in support of cause she supports Trump? Okay. Which is kind of crazy to think, actually, in a little in in a way. And he kind of asked her, well, how how does this work? You know, like, and she said, it's not that I've changed my politics. It's that all the rest of you have slid further to the left. You've gone crazy. You've gone off the deep end. And I I mentioned this as an example because I think this is the way this this thing sort of works. You have these feelings and ideas that are deep rooted that people actually think and feel sometimes. Well, let's repeal the Second Amendment, but they're afraid to say it. And as soon as you have somebody that's brave enough to come out and say it, then everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 we can get on board with that. Yeah, okay. And now it, the cat's out of the bag. And so you that's why you have here the vice chairwoman of the Democratic National Committee tweeting over the weekend her support of, of repealing the Second Amendment. Keep in mind, this is a representative of the Democratic National Committee, the Democrat Party, uh, that most Democrats would say, we don't want to repeal the Second Amendment. We're all for gun rights, just in a common sense way. We want to have some limited reforms and controls. But here, your representative of your party is saying, "Let's repeal the Second Amendment." Hmm. What do you think, Jacob?
1: I don't know that I have a lot to add, frankly. Like I agree what you said about you know the left is getting further left. I also think the right is getting further right. But yeah, you know, aside, that's fair aside to say. From that, You know the the point is that this is a polarizing issue. And people are tired. People are worn out.
0: But what's interesting too is we do know, and you and I know from personal experience, interaction with podcast listeners. Um, and the one reason, I mean, we, we kind of have a, a, a general rule on the podcast to not refer to things necessarily as far as Democrats and Republicans, although it's difficult to do when we're talking about news and you got very obvious Democrats saying certain things. But – um. But, but but we recognize that we have listeners the podcast that are Democrats, but are very much pro-gun. We've got people of all stripes and, and backgrounds and colors and so forth. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, but these emails that I have in hand represent a, a wide array of thought and backgrounds and opinions on the issue. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I love this image in the tweet too. I think we talked about it last week that you got musket versus AR-15, and I think the caption under that in uh, Justice Stevens' uh, article was a rifle from the 17, you know, late 1700s, and assault rifle of today. And I was like, no, 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 the caption's wrong. It's an assault rifle of the late 1700s, <laughs> and an assault rifle of today, sort of. <laughs> Yeah, depending just, on depending on how you called. define an assault rifle. Speaking of which, you know, what, I'm going to jump to this story now. Merriam-Webster's <clears throat> uh, dictionary, okay? The online dictionary says this is the title. This is on the Federalist.com, Merriam-Webster online dictionary changes definition of assault rifle after a Parkland shooting. Now, Do we know whether or not for sure this has to do with Parkland shooting? Or maybe it's just the debate that's raging on after the shooting. Uh, It doesn't really matter. But what we do know is that the entry for Assault Rifle was updated on March 31st. That's, what, three, four days ago? And it now reads as follows. It's a noun, which is... Funny to me, right? Because assault is not even a noun, but I guess it is describing a noun. All right. Any of various intermediate range magazine fed military rifles, such as the AK-47, interesting that they do actually mention the AK-47 specifically, um, but not the AR, that can be set for automatic or semi-automatic fire. Also, a rifle, and this is the part that apparently was added, a rifle that resembles a military assault rifle, but is designed to allow
1: only semi-automatic fire. What do you make of this? Well, I think their original definition was also questionable. Before this most recent change, it previously read any of various automatic or semi-automatic rifles with large capacity magazines designed for military use. Yeah. So uh, here's the deal. I, I actually am not as upset about this because I think that. Gun owners, we have been really on top of the words, right? The words matter. You know, don't call it a silencer. Don't call it an assault rifle. Blah 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 blah. You know what? T- definitions of things do change. Like I think we have to just acknowledge that in in world in the society we do change definitions of things based on how they're being used. And I don't think we can debate away the idea that that it is normal terminology now. It is normal today to refer to semi-automatic. Rifles like the AK forty seven and the AR fifteen as assault rifles. So I'm almost kind of wondering if I should back off my high horse if that's not an assault rifle and say fine. Like I get it. Society today now calls this an assault rifle, um, and and maybe I need to just say okay. Like if that's how we're going to define it now, that's fine. But that doesn't change any of these other things related to the debate just because you call it that. Now now on the on the other hand, my head says Jacob, don't don't cave on this because assault rifle sounds scarier. Um, If we allow these people to call these guns that we own assault rifles, then the public at large is going to freak out even more than they would otherwise. They're going to want to ban these things. And so I'm kind of split on this, honestly, because I, I just, you know, from a very practical standpoint, I'm open to the reality that definitions of terms do change over time based on the way those terms are used by the general public,
0: right? Here's what's interesting to me, though. Um, by, by basically acknowledging what you just said, it, to me, it's it's almost like conceding that we've lost uh, you know, that this part of the debate in that, because I, I do think that words do matter. Now, how much do they matter? I don't know, but I do think that they matter. Frankly, I think we lost this part of this debate way back in the 90s, and by the way, Things were different then. Even pro-gunners, supporters of the Second Amendment, had a different view on AR-15s than we do now. Do, do we realize that? Do have we forgotten that? Back in the early, you know, in the in the eighties and the early nineties, even pro-gun people were not as fond of the AR-15 like we are today. But from the passage of the Assault Weapons Ban in nineteen ninety four to now, I mean, we basically lost. That that battle then, but what what I what, what my concern is though, Jacob, is that the anti-gunners are very good at using language against us. Oh sure, and, common and, sense, and, and yes, and yeah. using that to to win people to their side of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's yep. that's where it's like words do matter.
1: I get that. No, I, and I, I like that's why I'm kind of split on it because if, I mean if we're talking about the battle at hand then it's like, this is bullcrap, right? Yeah. But, but just from a very practical standpoint, I do have to acknowledge that like, okay, a definition of a word is based on how that word is used yep. by the populace yep. at large. And that's why dictionaries change. So, I mean, anyone, any of you listeners who are upset with me right now, you're like, Jacob, no, that's not an assault rifle. It's like, well, that, that's how you define it. And that's how all of us used to define assault rifle, right? We used to all design, you know define assault rifle by something that had automatic or select fire. And that's how we use that term. And that was the definition forever and for, for long, right? And and today, if that's still the definition that any of us want to use, that's fine. But to some degree, we also got to say, okay, the populace at large now thinks of assault rifle as something else. Now, that doesn't mean we should stop clarifying and helping them understand the differences between an AR-15 and an M4 or an M16 or whatever. But I, I, I also, some practical part of my brain is like, okay, I get it. Like the definition is whatever the general populace is saying. And it's sad that we've lost that battle that the, the general populace now uses this term to refer to these guns. That, that's a problem and we need to do something about it. But, you yeah. know, I guess if I owned a dictionary company, I, I, I might make this change to some degree also, right? Removing any political sentiments from it, just purely saying, what, what does this term mean today? Yep. So, okay. I'll bring on the hate mail, but I guess, yeah. Uh, It hasn't changed my views. I'm just clarifying some practicality there.
0: Well, and and that's something I've been clear on the record for some time now, that uh, I I do think that it's important for us to, especially on the program side, to use appropriate and accurate terminology. I I do think that's a fair thing to say, to suggest that we do our best to use accurate terminology. Um, But at the same time, I've made it clear that for some time now, it doesn't matter how much we want to try to convince the other side to use to to not use assault rifle when they're talking about an, a semi-automatic AR-15, because in their mind, and in the mind of much of the general public, frankly, the majority of the general public, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And 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 like, you know, let me be clear about a couple things here. Like <laughs> it. They're very clever, right? Like, I mean, think about the way this reads, right? A rifle that resembles a military assault rifle, but is designed to allow only semi automatic fire, which means that, you know, hunting rifles that are also semi automatic, that are also magazine fed, wouldn't include because they don't resemble military assault rifles. So, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a real clever, BS kind of crappy yep. thing. But it, it, here's another one. I'll give you another example. Like, we've seen a lot of videos lately that, that talk about how, you know, these guns were only designed to kill people. And you know what I think of when I see those videos, Riley? I think, yeah, you're right. Dead, <laughs> that's right. Dead hot. You, and, you got it. <laughs> and that's why they're so good and so
0: clever at using language. Right. Because right. Like, they, they, they put up this this argument as though, like, and then they do this on, in a lot of different ways, right? Like, right. They, would, they would perpetuate upon the public that we on the pro-gun side are okay with mass shootings and murders. When obviously we're not. Like, who honestly, in their right mind, is okay with that crap? The people
1: right? who commit the crimes.
0: Yeah, well, clearly these guys are okay with with contraptions and and machines that are only designed to kill. Um, yeah, that's what guns were made <laughs> you for. Know, like, you moron. Like anyway, you know, there's an interesting comment here from uh, or yeah, Jorge or George. Sorry, I don't know whichever you prefer, Jorge. Uh, he says, so if we do nothing, then all semi-autos will be classified as an assault weapon. But that's our point, Jorge. Unfortunately, is that it, it, actually? It does I don't even think it matters what we do. In, in the large, in the vast majority of American of the American public, an assault weapon is an AR-15. Like, it, it so we can do our best to be good ambassadors. Uh, by the way, th- this type of tem- terminology is true even with high capacity magazines. That 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 use alone is another good example of how they've used language against us. High capacity magazines. I even see this amongst just regular gun folks. Well, this is a high capacity magazine when they're talking about a, uh, a what what I would consider to be a, a standard capacity magazine. The Air 15 is since the dawn of time is, was issued with a 30 round magazine. That was what it was designed to use. That's, that's its standard capacity magazine. Uh, Glock 17 is a 17 rounder, right? But yet we have places like California or New York or Maryland or whatever that have passed these high capacity mag bands. So it's another example of how language it, it matters. We need to use the right terminology. We need to do our best to be good ambassadors, but frankly Jorge and everybody else we we've, we've already lost in a large part on that. So I don't know. I mean, there's, there's gotta be some other things that we can do. Uh, yeah.
1: I, yeah. I mean, for example, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not embracing this. I'm, I'm purely giving this as an example. Okay. But instead of getting married in some Facebook thread with some friend of mine, trying to argue what is and what is not an assault rifle, yeah. right? Instead of wasting my time on the definition, I might be far more productive to say, call it whatever you want this gun is the best gun for home, for home defense. Yeah. Right. Like that's a far more productive conversation than, well, technically it's not an assault rifle
2: Um,
1: because I, I, you know, I I probably can't change what they believe the definition of that term to be.
0: Here's another thing too. Statistics, frankly, facts and statistics don't really matter either. I mean, they do matter and they matter to a lot of us, especially when it supports our side of things, which they often do, frankly. Um, but, Look at what the other side is doing. Most of it's an emotional debate. We cannot win that debate against them just with facts and statistics. I think we need to appeal to the public in an emotional at an, at an emotional level as well. Yeah, fair. And frankly, by sharing our Justified Save stories, I, to me, that's a little bit of a way to – maybe there's a better way we could do it or a way we could do it more effectively. I don't know. But, you know, I see some of these videos and things. Now, I know some on the other side would, would call it propaganda, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But, like, I, I've seen some of these videos from the USCCA, right, Jacob, uh, advertisements on YouTube and whatnot. And, like, man, those are great videos, you know, sharing these real-life stories of people that had to use a gun to defend themselves. And it's like, whoo, wow, like, you know, the weight of it, you, like, you, you feel it. The emotions are there. Holy crap, that was scary. We're going to share some stories today that are freaking scary. And and I know that they, like I said, the anti-gunners would say, "Well, they're just trying to scare you. It's all fear mongering." Well, look, look at what you guys are doing, right? It's it's an emotional argument. I don't think we win solely on emotion, but I think you can you you can open people's eyes with by by appealing to their emotions, and then you show them the facts. And that's I think when you start to win people over to your side. Anyway, so. <laughs> Riley, uh, Jorge says, "Riley, you need a new hat. Sig is in the rearview mirror. Get a CZ or FNH hat." Well, if CZ or <laughs> FNH gave me a hat. Well, maybe I'd wear it. I, That's right, right. I have Riley's a collection got of hats, hats to sink a battleship. And I just, you know, yeah. I, I grab a different one almost every day and throw it on. And this, it just happened to be this one today. So there you go. Yeah. And they're not in the rearview mirror, in my opinion, by the way. Okay. All right. Moving on. Next up, high school senior suspended. After posting picture of airsoft gun on social media.
1: Oh, this is wild stuff. Why don't you take it away? Okay. So basically what we have here, we have a high school senior who gets a new uh, airsoft gun as a gift. I, uh, birthday? maybe, it might have been his birth. Yeah, his birthday. Correct. Yeah. And so he takes a picture of it and he posts the picture on uh, Snapchat. Now, apparently, somebody didn't like that. I'm guessing it's a fellow student because who else would follow this guy on Snapchat? Probably not his teachers. So probably a fellow student sees this picture and freaks out and uh, alerts somebody. Maybe they tell their parents and then the parents alert somebody, but somebody gets alerted. And so this student is called into the office at school, and the, the, there's officers there, law enforcement officers. They have the kid put out his hands. They pat him down to make sure he's not armed. And uh, and then they suspend him, but it, it it goes far beyond that. It gets really serious here. Okay, now the first thing you might be thinking is, hey, what what the crap? Like, you know, this is an airsoft gun. How how would you know? Don't forget that the vast majority of people are not that educated. You and I could probably look at the picture, and the link is in the show notes. You can go look at it, and we would probably look at this picture and say, that's not a real gun, right? That's an airsoft gun. And, and to that, you know, you're a credit to your your profession, right, for being able to recognize the difference. But uh, I don't particularly fault some random, you know, school administrator or even an officer for not being able to tell the difference in a picture. What happens next is what I really fault them for. So let me let me tell you what I think might have happened. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna diverge from the news story here, Riley, and I'm gonna okay. tell you what I think should have happened. Okay. So a student or a parent or somebody says, "Hey, check out this picture that this student just posted." I'm scared. This is dangerous. Okay, got it. I'm the, I, I, let's say I'm the school administrator. I call in my officer, my school resource officer or an officer. I have them come in like, hey, this is, you know, the student posted this. We don't know what the circumstances are. We're going to bring in the student. We're going to ask them questions. So we bring the student in. We say, hey, uh, we saw, you know, this picture, uh, you know, can you can you explain, you know, or you, do you shoot these guns? You know, what is this? In this is like, oh, no, that's a, that's an airsoft gun. I got for my birthday. It's not real. It's an airsoft gun. And I'd be like, oh, okay, so that's just an airsoft gun. uh-huh, uh-huh okay, great. Well, if you don't mind, we're going to call your mom. And we're just going to check with her real quick. Let her know that we just wanted to confirm, see if she, you know, if she can collaborate that and, and et cetera. So call the, call the parents like, hey, you know, it's not a big deal. Sorry to, sorry to bother you. But uh, this is what happened. This picture was posted. A, another student and or parent was upset. We just wanted to kind of check on this and make sure everything's okay. Are you, you know, is, this, is this, this just an airsoft gun? Is that what you understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we bought him that for his birthday. It's an airsoft gun. It's a hobby of his. Etc. cetera. Oh, okay, great. Well, we appreciate your, you know, appreciate your time so much. Have a nice day. You know, kid, go back to class, get out of here. Peace out. That to me makes a ton of sense, right? Like that, that would have been fantastic, but that's not what happened.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. You know, what happened obviously is that they, they flipped out, right? The school administrators flipped out. Uh, they, they, get, they became concerned. That they had a problem with some student. That this student maybe somehow posed a threat. And actually, remember, this started from another student that said they felt threatened or uncomfortable with this photo that they saw on this other student's, uh, uh, Zach, I guess is his name, uh, on his uh, social media feed. And so what happened was the school (laughs) right here, they searched my son at school, okay? Okay. They didn't call me. They didn't tell me what was going on. They did not call me until he's already been arrested, searched, brought to the office, harassed. Then they called me because I had to meet them at my home to have five officers come into my home and search my house.
1: Yeah, you heard that right. Five officers bring the kid to his house and then search the home. Holy crap.
0: Yeah. Yep i i I don't even know where to.
1: I mean we we've seen
0: similar stories though like this Jacob. I mean this is becoming the norm, right? That uh, you have school administrators and teachers that are un, uneducated, Frankly, I mean they they might be very well educated in certain aspects, or you know math, science, English, whatever. Um, Teaching. <laughs> sure, but where it comes to guns, they just know that's a scary object. And certainly no child should have any guns or access to guns or have any even interest in guns.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to me, this has lawsuit written all over it, right? To search my house, you have to have probable cause that a crime is being committed or that there's intent for a crime to be committed. Or you need a warrant. Yep. Now, I highly doubt a judge issued a warrant. That seems extraordinarily unlikely, but and, maybe I'm wrong. And that we was don't. a
0: comment here from Tristam. Warrant?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then hmm. and then Jorge or whatever happened to probable cause. So so if if you showed up on my doorstep with my kid and said we're going to search the home, I've been like, um, I have a constitutional right to protect me from un, unlawful searches and seizures. Like, where's yep. your warrant? Yep. And if they and they said we don't need one, we have probable. I've been like, great. I'm going to need all your badge numbers. I'm calling my attorney. Yep. I, I would have been all over that. <laughs> that's just that that's, that's that reeks of of incompetence and illegal illegal activity.
0: Yep. You know, th- this is in the same category of stories uh, as I think it was last week or maybe it was two weeks ago now, where we reported that student that was suspended for days because he posted on social media that, uh, uh, you know, photos or videos or whatever of him with his family on their off time, right? Away from school as a family with adult supervision, enjoying, you know, shooting guns and stuff. Uh, yeah, I. it's crazy. I don't know what else more we can say about this. We're going to move on, but know that this stuff is happening. It's not cool. It shouldn't be happening. But this is part of this attack on the Second Amendment. Um, and it's not always a deliberate and coordinated attack. Sometimes it's just ignorance. That's what I see here, Jacob, is a lot of ignorance that causes people to react the way they did. <sighs>
1: Riley, you want to hear about ignorance? Sure. I just got an email. Why you and I have been talking from (laughs) Amazon.com. Amazon.com has just removed the Glock eTrainer product from Amazon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So the Glock eTrainer is a product that uh, we we have the distribution rights for all of North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, we sell on our store. Go check it out. Glocketrainer.com cuz yep. apparently we're going to yep. be losing sales from Amazon. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, right, whatever. So so here's here's what Amazon says. <clears throat> this product has been identified as a firearm trigger, trigger assembly, trigger connector or trigger activator. And then it goes on to say that their policy prohibits all these things. <laughs> I I should probably call up Amazon, let them know that this this product actually prevents a trigger from being for str- being able to be pulled. It, it's it's closer to a safety device than a trigger activator. <laughs> okay. I, I am laughing,
0: and, and I've got tears coming to my eyes here because you, you you weren't joking when you said you want to hear about ignorance. This is ignorance at its finest.
1: Oh, it's perfect. It's a great example. Go Amazon. <sighs> um, so I don't see a way to appeal this. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But that's Amazon for you. So if you want the Glocky trainer, apparently you can't bite on Amazon anymore until I convince them that it's not a trigger activator. <laughs> if anything, it's a trigger deactivator. It makes your Glock more safe. Yeah, it's, it makes the gun inoperable, quite literally.
0: <laughs> oh, my land. Okay, speaking of schools, by the way, I mean, I think it was Tristam, too, who's been commenting very actively on Facebook today uh, that said something about, you know, this is why we homeschool our kids. Uh, well, this next one will probably make you want to continue doing that. NationalReview.com reports, seventh grade assignment, write letters to lawmakers begging for gun control. This was a story, I mean, I read this and I, talking about ignorance and incompetence on the part of our teachers. I mean, and I truly mean that. It's incompetent for a teacher to to do an assignment like this. If you truly are a teacher, if you're a good teacher at all, then you should not have students do an assignment like this. Like, as a teacher, your job is to obviously help educate the kids, encourage critical thinking, encourage them to think for themselves, uh, to discover learning by themselves too. And, and here you're, you're you're giving them your position and having them write letters that support your position, not their position. According to the story here, Students at Hampton Middle School in Hampton, Georgia, were given a homework assignment that required them to write a letter asking lawmakers for stricter gun control laws. The 7th grade social studies assignment, a copy of which was obtained by Blue Lives Matter, stated, For this assignment, you are writing a letter to the lawmakers of the United States. The purpose of this letter is to pressure lawmakers to have stricter gun laws in uh, in the United States. Your letter should contain at least five complete sentences. Make sure... That you use proper grammatical skills when writing your letter. Read the assignment given out by social studies teacher Corey Sanders to his students at Hampton Middle School. A A parent of one of the students, William Lee, told Blue Lives that his son came home from school and said he had to write a paper on gun control. I looked at it and I told my son, no, you are not doing that assignment. Then I emailed his teacher the next day and told him that my son will not be doing that. The... Apparently, the teacher did agree to exempt Lee's son from the assignment without penalty, but according to Mr. Lee, there were other parents in the class who had issues also with the homework assignment, which I would believe that for sure, but they did not find out about it until after their children had already turned it in. It's not clear whether the teacher intended to actually mail the letters, but the truth is it doesn't really matter. Either way, this homework was straight-up propaganda. It has absolutely no place in our schools. That's a true statement. So what are your thoughts on this? I know we have some passionate listeners that are going to be pretty upset hearing that this kind of thing. I mean, but are are we surprised at all?
1: I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty upset at the same token. Like I get that, you know, we're supposed to, our kids are supposed to learn how to write uh, compelling and persuasive letters and, you know, papers and stuff. And, and so a, 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 a teacher has to come up with some sort of example, right? Uh, persuade someone to do something, right? But, but forcing them to specifically write about you know, lawmakers t- uh, passing gun control laws seems like an agenda. And, and, and you know, to your point, we don't know if the, he was going to mail these or not. Maybe he would have gathered them up, graded them, passed them back out and said, you know, thank you for your assignment. Here's your grade. Maybe he would have gathered them and shipped them off too. We <laughs> really don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's not like they were given a choice. Like you need to write a persuasive letter, you know, in favor of or against gun control. That might have been interesting, right? Allow someone yeah. to argue their own point of view. That might have been a great yeah. critical thinking kind of exercise. But the but the but it was a very specific assignment. That, that's what crosses the line.
0: You, it could have even been an assignment where it was like write a letter about a law that you would like to have implemented or changed in America. Any law. Right, but no, it was specific to taking away or controlling further guns. Crazy stuff. All right, I'm sure that teacher is catching some heat. I'll bet he. I'll bet you he is catching even more heat, especially now this is hitting the national, you know, news circuits. Final story before our justified saves segment. Out of Texas, KXXV.com reporting, Open Carry Texas, yes, that's an organization, O-T, or OCT, Open Carry Texas founder, arrested for assaulting a police officer during a pro-gun demonstration. I think the title is almost enough, Jacob. <laughs> this is not good. This is not helpful. You have the founder and president of Open Carry, Texas was arrested Tuesday near San Antonio for assaulting an officer and resisting arrest. By the way, this is not the first time this guy's been arrested uh, for similar antics. said actually at the bottom here that he was previously arrested for interfering with police duties that happened back in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, he I, I don't know the thing is is we don't really see from this story why like what, what the issue was or how it got started. But apparently police officers were, they showed up to the the site of this demonstration. Something happened. He is being charged with assault on a peace officer, interference with deputies, obstructing passageway and resisting arrest. Yeah. Apparently he, he streamed his arrest live on Facebook, which was later posted to YouTube as well. Like I said, you know, it, it doesn't even matter why or what he did or didn't do the the bigger issue is the fact that i it sounds to me that he is a poor advocate for the second amendment i'm sorry to say that because i respect somebody that that organizes a group an organization to fight for second amendment rights i respect that a lot but when you act like an idiot i mean that that's what it appears to me here i can see some things just being misunderstood or misinterpreted and somebody is mistakenly arrested that shouldn't have been. You know what? You can fight that and have your day in court, uh, maybe even a lawsuit. But it sounds to me like he was told to not do something or to stop doing something and and refused to do so. Uh, he violated the law uh, based on the list of charges here, and there were several he was yeah, probably given he, opportunities to stop and and did not do so and, and he'll
1: he'll get due process right like he'll he can go to court he can explain yeah. what happened he'll have witnesses he'll have his video stream that he streamed on right he'll he'll have an opportunity to defend himself and that's an important thing to remember that you know the, this this is not done you know he's just cuz someone is arrested and charged does not mean they're convicted he will have his opportunity in court to show his side of the story and, and maybe it'll turn out that he was fully justified and uh, you know, all as well, or, or it might turn out to the, to the point, you know, based on the officers uh, that arrested him, that he in fact did break laws and is guilty. Yep. So my big,
0: my, my big point here is just that for a long time, we've made it very clear on the podcast where it comes to gun rights and the second amendment, we need to be, responsible. It's a great right and privilege that we have. And I do in fact believe it's a natural right. It's not even it's not like the government gives us these rights, right? I don't believe that at all. I think this is natural stuff here. Natu- these are natural rights. The right to self-defense is is the is the base right. And in order for that to be a right, citizens need to have the ability to actually defend themselves effectively. And hence you have the second amendment that I think supports that natural born right of self-defense. It's a great privilege and responsibility. And if we don't act like it, then it doesn't help our case. So don't be like this guy. All right. Now time for our justified saves segment. First story. And I thought this website was interesting, Jacob. It it appears to be some sort of USA Today syndicated website, but it's titled (laughs) commercialappeal.com. I've never been to this site before. but but Part of the USA Today network. Yeah, exactly, because it's got their formatting and everything. I'm not sure what commercialappeal.com is, but whatever. On their site, they have a pretty interesting news story. Uber Eats Driver, that's a service where you can call and place an order with... I don't know. Let's say McDonald's because I know McDonald's is doing this now even too. Uh, And you can have – you know, McDonald's doesn't offer delivering, uh, but uh, you can call Uber Eats and they will deliver your food to you. So an Uber Eats driver shoots man during attempted robbery at an IHOP, Memphis police say. Memphis Crime Stoppers – oh, excuse me. A man is in critical condition after police said he was shot by an Uber Eats driver during an attempted robbery outside the IHOP. Police responded to a robbery call at 12.41 a.m. in the parking lot of the restaurant. When they arrived, they found a man on the ground with gunshot wounds. According to the story here, an Uber Eats driver told police he arrived at the restaurant around 12.30 a.m. to pick up a food delivery. He said as he got in his car, a man approached, pointed a gun at him, and demanded his car keys and money, according to a police incident report. The driver said he reached in the console of his 2016 Hyundai, retrieved his 40 caliber gun, and fired twice. The men who attempted to rob the driver returned fire, police said. One man shot during the gunfire exchange was taken to the regional medical center. Police said two other men with him ran from the scene. Now get this, and this is buried deep in the story because I got to this point and I was like, whoa. The driver and his wife who was in the passenger seat during the shooting, were not injured. The woman told police she ducked down when the gunfire started. Whoa!
1: Yeah, so a lot of a lot of things we can learn from this one. And again, you know, we have, we're, we're being armchair quarterbacks. We don't know all the details. We don't know to what degree the real threat was to the uh, the driver, to the gun owner. We don't know exactly what was said or what he might have interpreted as, as being a threat. But there are still, just based on reading it, there are some good lessons we can learn here. And and I think that you know, you you pointing out that his wife is in the is in the, the passenger seat is a very important thought here because it does change the perceived threat, right? If it's just me, then only I am being threatened, if at all. But if it's me and my wife, then I, there's two of us that are being threatened and, and one who's sitting in a box that, that has diff, is going to have a difficult time escaping or avoiding gunfire. So, you know, I, I may or may not change how I interpret the situation based on having that passenger in the car. Um, but, you know, just from reading the news story, Riley, for me, I, I don't know that I necessarily see what the threat was. That justified reaching in the console and grabbing a gun and shooting, right? Hey, give us the money. Uh, hold on, grab a gun, shoot at him. You know? I mean, and, and, and again, you know, being the armchair quarterback and not knowing all the little things and knowing that's a dynamic environment, it wouldn't be the first time someone's robbed a food delivery person and shot them for good measure. But uh, I think that's worth considering.
0: You, you know, we do know that the robber, and, and the funny thing about how news media works and writes stories is we, in the beginning of the story, it gives us the impression that a man, because that's what it says, a man approached, approached. And then later it talks about the men (laughs) opened fire back. Uh, There was apparently three of them. Um, They had, I mean, it says a man approached him and pointed a gun at him and demanded the, the vehicle and money. I would say that because I would say you could probably argue. I mean, I mean, I think there was a deadly threat there. Obviously, the dude had a gun. Now, the I think what you're asking, Jacob, is is it fair to at least consider that? Would the easy way out of the situation be just to hand over the car and the and the money and and say, okay, here you go, see you later? That that is a fair question to ask.
1: Yeah, we it's, don't know. It's right? something
0: that should be considered. I think in any robbery, that okay, there's there's a couple ways out of this situation. I could just give them what they want. Or I could try to fight them over it. And you, there's no guarantee, frankly, there's no guarantee how either of those options is going to play out. Now, one thing that is unique to the situation is that this man's wife, his loved one, was in the vehicle. And that might, that, I would say that comes into play here as far as it does come into play. Yeah. if I hand this guy my keys and he hops in the car and now he takes my wife with him. Like, I mean, hopefully she would have the opportunity to get out. But there's no guarantee of that either. So there's there's just a lot of things at play here. Now, one, one thing I would say, tactically speaking, that is interesting about this story. Now, clearly we know this guy wasn't carrying the gun on his person because it said he reached into the vehicle to retrieve his 40 caliber gun to then turn around and fire. Now, normally I would say, why aren't you carrying that gun on you on, on your person, bro? <laughs> like that's that's the preferred way to do this. However, it may have played out in his favor in this regard, as far as having to reach into the gun, because just imagine this playing out, Jacob. Dude is saying, Hey, man, hand me your keys and money and see you later. And you're like, Okay, yeah, hang on a second. You reach into the vehicle, and it's like, Oh, hey, he's getting me something good, you know? And while you're doing that, you can probably conceal what it is you're doing. Looking for some sort of diversion, distraction, or hiding what your response is going to be is that's something we see play out in a lot of deadly force encounters. It's important as opposed to trying to draw on a draw, drawn gun. That's a losing battle. But if you mm-hmm. can create or find some sort of opening or opportunity or distraction that, that gives you that that little bit of an edge where you can turn the tide, where you can turn the tables on them and and take back that element of surprise, That's that's an important thing. In a situation like this, and I think that by the way the, the way he responded, I think created that opportunity to do so.
1: Yeah, you know, and there's two benefits of that kind of approach, right? One, I think, is what is kind of this tactical response benefit. This idea that if I, you know, am, am kind of buying for time and saying, "Okay, hold on," you know, my wife's in the car, you know, she needs to get out, and you know, hold, just let me grab one thing, you know. Here, I'm gonna give you the keys just a second. You know, by 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 doing that, several cool things happen. One is hopefully we start to de-escalate a little bit, right? The 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 BG starts to get the sense that, oh, okay, he's gonna yeah. comply, right? So my exactly. guard starts to drop a little bit, I get a little bit less agitated, I'm a little bit less trigger finger-itchy, mm-hmm. right? All those things are are good. It also allows me to to that time is going to do two other things it's going to a find out what that person's real intentions are through the course of that i might start to get the sense that no they really are just going to take the car and go or i might start to get sense like no this is this is more than this they're not just after some cash in the car They, they, all this, this, this is, this doesn't feel right. Something else is off here. How am I going to get my wife out of this car? They're not giving me the opportunity. And and so I I start to just, just more inputs into the brain, allow the brain to make better decisions, right? More, more educated Mm -hmm. decisions. More time. Yeah. And that time allows me to your point to kind of have a better tactical response. I'm not drawing a gun on a draw. Gun. I'm, I'm, you know, creating a little space, a little opportunity, a little distraction, whatever might be necessary to give me that little bit of, a, you know, chance to have a better outcome. So, it, all all those things play in when we just, you know, calmly try and create a little bit of time, a little bit of space, and and give ourselves better outcome potential. Yeah,
0: these are split second decisions that have to be made in every one of these justified save stories that we have shared in the podcast. Split second decisions have to be made. An analysis has to be performed. You got to look at the situation situation and go, okay, which how am I going to play this out? Because there are situations where immediate response, immediate and aggressive and intense response is critical. But I would say in many situations, you want to be very cautious. You want to be very analytical. You want to be looking at every avenue of, of possibility as far as whether it's escape or what types of tactics you might use to respond, and just understand that in many situations, having you know intentionally creating some sort of pause uh, or or looking for an opportunity, taking a little bit of time, as has been described here, I think is really wise, and usually is, and, and quite often, frankly, is, is a good course of action, because you can find that one little opening that is that 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 that, that is your chance, especially when someone has already got the drop on you. Next story from WSMV.com. This is out of Nashville, Tennessee. And this is a crazy story. I don't know that I'm going to read the whole thing like I did this last one. We're going to try to summarize this as best we can. Hermitage or hermitage homeowner shot, killed burglary suspect. Okay, in Nashville, Tennessee, it says an accused burglar is dead after a homeowner fought back against two intruders in hermitage on Wednesday night. So here's basically what, what goes down. 43-year-old Brent Bishop, he just gets home from, I'm guessing work, I don't know, just as he was returning home. He found two men inside of his home. The men apparently had already broken in through a back door. They had fought with the man's wife. Okay, so the, the, the homeowner's wife is already in the home. These guys break in through a back door. And they hit her on the head with a hammer. She somehow manages to escape. Runs over to a neighbor's house to, uh, you know, call for help, okay, which is very good. I mean, it, that's, this is another piece of the story we could probably spend a little bit of time analyzing as far as, like, her response, her, her ability, you know, to fight herself away, to get away, to go find help. Apparently, shortly after she leaves and gets to the neighbor's house, the husband must have arrived home, and because it, it talks as though she's over at the neighbor's house and shortly later hears gunshots. From the house, so what happened is the husband got home, found the two burglars inside the home, uh, and he, by the way, apparently did not have a gun on his person upon arriving at home. It talks about a scuffle or a fight that occurred between him and the suspects. They hit him in the head with a blunt object. They then ordered him to open his gun safe, which he did, and the suspects took out three long guns and a pistol. This is scary stuff, here, guys. Uh, this is not a position you want to be in. What are they going to do next? I mean, you've maybe seen them. I don't know if they have their faces obscured or what. They've now convinced you, threatened you to get you know to open your safe, and you've now given them access to your guns. I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Although, what does happen is they actually then apparently leave the home with the guns. He retrieved a pistol in another part of the house and went to go look he went it says he went outside looking for his wife upon going outside he encountered the suspects in the front yard and opened fire apparently killing one of them crazy story here jacob mm-hmm. i know you had a lot to say about this one
1: yeah so first thing i want to point out is that the bgs what what weapons are they using i mean obviously they came and they they got some guns out of a safe that they left with uh, but their weapons to get into the home and to attack both the wife and the male homeowner uh, were blunt objects. In one case, for sure, a hammer. The woman was hit with a hammer. And the other, in the case of the man, he was, he was hit with a blunt object. And he has a fractured skull. You know, he's, he's yep. spending a night in the hospital. So, you know, it, it, this comes back to guns being that great equalizer, right? This idea that it was you know, they needed something better than a hammer to defend themselves from a hammer. And, and that's really important. Uh, I really appreciate what you said about the, women, the woman, you know, to, running off to a neighbor's house and, and calling police. And two thoughts there come to mind. One is, Hey, how awesome is that? That's a really good idea. Get out of the situation, escape and go, you'll find refuge somewhere else. The other thought that comes to mind is what if you are the neighbor, you know, you might be thinking of this story in the context of you being the homeowner, which is a great way to think of this and extract some good lessons, but also think about you being the neighbor. If the neighbor comes and pounds on your door and says, Oh, there's some robbers in my house right now. They just hit me over the head. Uh, please can I come in or whatever, like screaming and freaking out? Like, what would you do? Have you thought about that? Like, you know, what would it, what would it look like for you if yeah. you were the neighbor as far as giving refuge, locking down the doors, getting the 911 and being prepared for whatever might happen from there? So those, those are all some interesting considerations just related to the, the female homeowner taking off to the neighbor's house.
0: Yeah. Question here from Jorge. He says, what good is a gun if it's locked up in a safe? Keep one or two hidden inside the house for easy access.
1: Well, I got mixed feelings about that one. Right?
0: <laughs> I, I I knew you would, but uh, now, here,
1: I'm gonna... here, now, you're right that there's a gun is no good locked up in a safe. And so what the homeowner should have done is had a gun on him. Yep. The Same tactical thing with the mistake woman, you should, have, should have had a gun on him, right? And that's kind of the point of a permit, so that I can have a gun on me all the time, anywhere I go, and not have to worry about legalities. Uh, you know, for the most part, most jurisdictions, if you can get a concealed carry permit, you can have it concealed on your person all yep. the time, especially in your home. So I think that's that's the main takeaway there. Now, as far as like hiding a few around the house, I don't know that I, I think it's a bad idea as long as they're also secured and locked up. And we could get into a whole another long conversation about whether or not guns should be locked up in safes. And we have a, a podcast episode where we kind of talk about that. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes ago. But um, the, I think the point is t- to Horry's point here you should have a gun with you. Yeah. He he yeah. comes back and says that too. EDC. Yeah. yeah. Like, where, where's where's yeah. the carry? Right? Is the main takeaway that you have to go run somewhere else in the house and retrieve it out of some other safe. Yep. Thank goodness this homeowner did have another gun that was elsewhere in the house that he was able to go access. For sure, that's great. Yep. Uh, but it's just you know, where's the gun that should have been on you?
0: That's right. That that was the great tactical mistake here is not being prepared. And being prepared in my opinion is I mean, I carry on a daily basis, uh, put you on the spot, Jacob, you got a gun on you right now. Yeah. Yep. What do you think about me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course you
0: do. So, I mean, yes, EDC, truly EDC, not just EDC when you leave the home either. Okay. Because we have shared, this is, this is, this story is not, I mean, it is a unique story, but it is not unique in the fact that, I mean, we we see break-ins all the time where homeowners are still present and they, they have to go get a gun from somewhere. It happens all the time. We would talk about this all the time. So, yeah, EDC and truly EDC. Wake up, get ready for the day, strap your gun on whatever fashion it is that you choose to, to use for concealed carry or carry in general,
1: and then go about your day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, that- well, then just think about this, like, you're in a pretty vulnerable position when there's two or more BGs and they're threatening with you with a blunt object and you got nothing. Yeah. But and you are not in a very vulnerable position. If two BGs are threatening you with a blunt object and you got a trusty gun on you, yeah. like, so gun, you, you, you are in the stronger position. Gun trumps
0: that blunt object.
1: Every, every time.
0: Every time. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, so let's
1: talk. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about this. Yeah. Not to say blunt objects can't be used better, but anyway, well, let's talk about something else. And this is mm-hmm. the last paragraph here. And I think you did say this, Riley, but we haven't talked about it yet. Um, it says that their home had been previously burglarized mm-hmm. on February 6th. During that incident, a flat screen TV was stolen. Police say that Adams, which is one of the BGs, is a suspect in that case also. Yep. Meaning that the odds are pretty high. So what you have here is some people who break into a house, steal a TV, and probably say, hey, look big gun safe. I bet there's guns in there. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, they're all drunk up on who knows what and say, hey, we need some guns. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great idea. Well, hey, that one house we robbed a while ago, that had a gun safe. Like, Let's let's go break in and make them give us their guns.
0: Yep. There's something to be said about this for sure uh, in that I, I don't know exactly what you do or what you take from this for this particular circumstance other than if you have a break-in You might consider changing some things about the security of your home. Uh, There's a lot of things you could do, and you might even consider about – well, at that point, it doesn't really matter. I'm not talking about moving the guns because at that point, it's too late. They've already seen that you've got something there, right? I'm talking, though, about – this. by the way, that break-in happened on February 6th. So here, less than two months later, you have another break-in. I would say change some things as as it relates to your personal and home security, whether it's a yeah. security system, cameras, or arming yourself on a daily basis because, hmm, we just had a break in. So this, this that, that's kind of what I took from this, Jacob, was
1: – Well, I think t- to me there's a, a, a greater uh, gray man principle here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be learned. I mean, yeah, for this very specific situation, yeah, it's kind of tough, you know, the cats out of the bag. But just broadly speaking, you know, you need to understand that criminals do target gun owners because they're gun owners. And so you need to be thoughtful about what you might be doing to advertise that you're a gun owner, you know, bless the NRA, but the sticker in the back of your truck is gonna is going to be a pretty big giveaway. Right? Open carrying that that, that's a giveaway. You know, wearing a shirt that says out from my cold, dead hands, you know, it's got a beautiful picture of an AR-15 on it, probably a bit of a giveaway. So you just it's important to reiterate that in this case, the homeowners were targeted because they were gun owners, most likely. We're a little bit of an assumption there, but probably true. And it, it certainly has happened many other times in the past, and it could happen to you too. So, so yeah. ponder what you're doing to you know not advertise that you're a gun. I, I
0: absolutely, I, I absolutely believe they were targeted as far as this return trip. Yeah, uh, it seems be, likely. I mean, because these these guys clearly knew about the safe, and they were asking. I mean, they forced the homeowner to open it up. I know of some gun owners that go to great extents to conceal their safes, and uh, that's another thing that i mean i I don't have mine in a very obvious place but i don't know I wouldn't say that it's concealed, but it's something that you might consider- mm-hmm. you know I don't know all right final story attempted armed robber robber shot by church security guard in West Garfield Park. And this is according to Chicago's very own WGNTV.com, WGN Channel 9. So this was in Chicago uh, on the north side. And uh, it says here, an investigation is underway after an attempted armed robbery suspect is shot overnight by a church security guard. It happened just after 8 p.m. Wednesday near a church. In West Garfield Park, police said a 27-year-old gunman burst into the Maypole Avenue Church of Christ and announced a robbery. He was immediately confronted by a 57-year-old security guard who is a concealed carry card holder, which until recently was practically non-existent mm-hmm. in Chicago. Uh, the two exchanged gunfire, ending with the offender critically injured with multiple gunshots to the chest. Kudos on you, security guard, for making those center uh, up you know, um, center of mass hits, uh, very effectively. He remains in critical condition at Stroger Hospital. The security guard, by the way, also suffered a single bullet wound to the left arm and is expected to recover.
1: Wow, yeah, so I mean, I can just I'm seeing this in my brain, right? 27 year old gunman burst into the church and announced a robbery. You know, if if you're the if you're the dude sitting in the congregation who's armed, like do you think it crossed your mind that someone might come into the church to rob people? Or do you think more likely, based on all the news stories you see and read and hear about, that you think this person's gonna start shooting people? Uh, I, yep. I just think that it's reasonable to assume that this security guard wasn't worried about protecting people's belongings as much as he was protecting people. Totally. And- because of the nature of our, of our society and the environment, and what happens, that would be very easy to argue in, in, in a court of law. And again, maybe the person really did have malintent in terms of you know, hurting people and shooting people. We, we don't know. What we know is that it says he announced a robbery. Um, you know, beyond that, we don't know what his intentions were, or what would have happened. But I think that this security guard was, was well justified.
0: Yeah. It, this is an, an interesting one for me because, we don't often see, in my recollection, in all the news stories that I've read and studied, where churches are targeted specifically for a robbery, as far as like a strong arm or, or armed robbery, where somebody intentionally goes in when people are there to rob people there. Usually, yeah. it, you know, it's it's a break-in of the church in the early morning hours to steal stuff from the church. But generally, people are not involved. So this is kind of a unique story in that regard. Most of the church incidents that I'm familiar with in recent history involve people getting shot. So kind of like you, that that's a – I mean, I, as to how this guy announced it was a robbery or whatever, I, I don't know what that means. We can't trust these journalists and how they write these stories as we've made a, a point of many times before. But this is – another great example of the need to be prepared in all places and at all times. And, uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm, and frankly, I'm thankful to this church, by the way, they clearly were proactive as far as having a security guard. It said he was, I mean, he was a church security guard and, uh, I appreciate it. sounds like he was operating covertly, uh, because they referred to him carrying concealed. So I, and I do think that's the, I think that's a good way to go for for most churches uh, to have a security team in place. Now, whether you are your church will arm or not arm the security guards, that that's obviously up to the church. And I have my own personal opinions about uh, what I would do if it were me. But um, and I do with security in my own church. But uh, I think you know this church was obviously doing the right thing and and was being very proactive as far as uh, protecting its members. Uh, that That is the critical thing here is that the members were protected by the security guard, and he was able and ready and willing and trained apparently at least reasonably well. Uh, it seems to me like he executed what he needed to do, and even though he was wounded himself. So good good on him, good on this church. Another example of why we do what we do and share what we share here on the Concealed Carry podcast. Mm-hmm. I th- sorry, I thought you'd have more, more insight there, Jacob.
1: <laughs> no, I think I'm going to leave it at that. Well well said.
0: Well, in that case, I guess we will uh, begin wrapping it up here. We appreciate all those of you that have uh, been supportive of the podcast, that have joined with us today, those of you viewing live on Facebook. Uh, appreciate all the comments and questions and interaction. Uh, you're always welcome to join us on Facebook in future episodes. Uh, don't know exactly what the next uh, few weeks will hold. I, I think we'll probably miss a few of our live Facebook streams of the podcast just I'm I'm giving you all a heads up. Number 1, we are going to be making a trip to uh Louisville, Kentucky and hope that you will come and see us there. We'll have a broadcast booth there and also Jacob and I are presenting in the seminars uh various topics and I, if you are able to join with us in Louisville and be be part of the USCCA Expo, hope that you would do that. Come check it out. Great show great people great topics will be discussed and then we'll be providing uh, basically I would say 24-hour coverage I mean it's as long as the show is open we'll be providing live video coverage of the show and interviewing top individuals we got a great list of people um, and Tim Schmidt will be he, he's on our interview list Rob Pincus is on our interview list Joe Khalil um, there's a bunch okay yeah so, amazing people. Mike yeah.
1: Hughes, Gabby Franco, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Serino. Yeah, I, guys, if you if you can make it to Kentucky, you want to be there in person. It's going to be awesome. You're going to get a lot of cool stuff. We're giving away cool stuff, but it's, the experience there is designed for for anyone who's listening to this podcast. So if you can make it, uh, you know, go be there. If you can't make it, still put it on your calendar April thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. Because as Riley said, we're going to be broadcasting live video all three of those days, interviewing amazing people. Uh, I, I know people who have charged money. <laughs> including us for that matter, to be able to listen to interviews with these caliber of, of people. It's going to be live from the show in our broadcast booth, me and Riley inter- interviewing these people completely available in a free live broadcast. So totally. even if you can't make it to Kentucky, make sure you kind of block that out on your schedule a little bit so you can participate in that live broadcast and, and participate in those interviews.
0: Yep. The other big thing coming up, assuming it occurs at the correct time in my world is, is that uh, my wife and I are expecting a baby boy to be delivered any day now. and So once again, just giving you a heads up that uh, schedule might be – we'll see how it goes. So chances are we'll have a few more episodes that will be pre-recorded and then released as podcast episodes, and we may miss a few Facebook Lives. But we appreciate those of you that have participated with us. We Once again, appreciate your support of our episode sponsors. Today being sponsored by Guardian Nation. Go check out guardiannation.com. And also – uh, the, uh, live fire drill cards from Burnett and, uh, you can see the, a link in the show notes of today's episode. And in fact, I think we have a short link on that, Jacob. I think, I think concealed carry.com forward slash LFDC, I think works. Testing. I'll let you test that, but, uh, I know I just said that already on the air, but I'm pretty sure that w- that works. Yeah, so, that'll do it. Yep. So go check out concealed carry.com forward slash LFDC, uh, to, Check out Live fire Drill Cards, what it has to offer you if you take your training seriously like I do and like Jacob does. You're going to want it to have Live Fire Drill Cards in your hands. They're they a great training aid. Uh, I, I have a variety of aids and tools I use in my own personal training, and that's just, just one amongst the many, but it's a really good quality one. So with that, it is time to let you all go and bid you all adieu. Jacob, appreciate your uh, being on the episode today with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and so with that, we remind you to train right, train right, train often, and train hard. Whoa, I just said that wrong. Train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. Have a good one.